From Lubbock Community Theater, this is Five Till Places. Thank you, Five. Welcome once again to another episode of Love Community Theater's Five Till Places. I am Jed. I am Heather. I am Charlie. I'm Daniel. And I am JC Hood. Oh, that's a new voice. We've, we're doing real good on having special guests in the studio with us. I say in the studio as if we were, yeah, we are not, not scattered all across town together. But so um, let's see, who, who is this guest we have? We have, we have your name, obviously, but... Um, <laughs> Sure. Uh, so, like I said, I'm JC Hood. I uh, was a part of Lubbock Community Theater from 2006 to about 2013. Uh, was the I think the last year that I, I performed with LCT, and uh, I am in the Dallas Fort Worth area now and uh, perform theater and comedy there. Some really badass theater and comedy <laughs> as well. Language. Sorry. Yes. PG-13. <laughs> it's theater. There's, there's, there's cussing in theater sometimes. I know what the devil E on the podcast. Oh, the explicit tag. I'll have to have you know, JC was my first friend within the theater that I made uh, when I first moved to Lubbock. I moved to Lubbock while she was doing a production of Ten Little Indians or And There Were None, directed by Velvia uh, Wiley at the time, who's now Velvia Keithley. And um, I was doing zombie prom, so while they were kind of ready to perform, I was rehearsing, and it was my first production, and she welcomed me with open arms. She made me feel a part of things. Uh, A friendship was cemented, and we went on to plan to basically take over the world basically yeah. one project at a time no it was really great I, I loved meeting heather and i was just like enthralled with her i was like who is this person who came from dfw and they're so good and i just want to be able to sing like her she's so amazing <laughs> and funny um i i'm not joking i went to see zombie prom three times um and i i still to this day, have her DVD of it. It's sitting in my living room. I'm so I sorry, Heather. I wonder where that was. <laughs> I have it. <laughs> and you two kind of switched places then. So with uh, Heather coming from the Metroplex to Lubbock, and then you went from Lubbock to Metroplex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life swap. Yeah. <laughs> and then There's a TV show in there somewhere. Um, and then I met JC. You, you should tell him because it's funnier if it comes from you. <laughs> So uh, I was involved in the the theater department at Texas Tech during my time there, and uh, at the time there there was a, a Daniel Ballard who was a, a graduate student uh, there, and I got on Facebook and I was like, oh, there's there's two Daniel Ballards in the theater department. I don't know which one is which, so I added them both on Facebook. That happened a um, lot. So, yeah. <laughs> that's actually so, how me and him became friends. It's, go ahead and finish your story, and then I'll say that. Yeah, it, it was just funny to me, because then Daniel told me, oh, this happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I actually reached out to him and was like, hey, I know we've never met, 
but you should like go through my friends list because I think a bunch of these people were trying to add you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so then we became friends and then I ended up doing a whole bunch of stuff with him. We um, did a, one of the movies when I was working on my master's um, called A Like and Dignity. He actually directed and then I produced and edited. And so we had to use our middle initials and everything. And so if you go on Facebook, I remember that, differentiating yeah, between, is he Daniel P? Yeah. So the reason we Which, have by our, the way... Oh, go ahead. Which, by the way, that that was the first uh, crowd crowdfunding successful project I had ever seen. It was so well done. Like the video y'all made, the pitch that y'all did, the quality of it, the marketing. It was really brilliant. That specific project, the Alike and Dignity. I mean, just saying. JC helped make the the Kickstarter video. JC was in that, so. Mm-hmm. That was a lot yep, of fun. I was in that, and then I was an extra in in the film itself. Nice. Uh, oh, were day. you in the the school scene? I it was something up at Tech, and we yeah, were all the class, like yeah. just sitting around. Yeah. Yeah, and then you were you helped me a whole bunch when I was like in my directing class. Uh, you and Tim mm-hmm. doing stuff like hitting each other, and then um, doing that <laughs> one scene where we went out and like it was really cold out, and you're like leaving town you're i think you're like he's going no he's leaving he's going to vietnam and you're like trying to get him to stay mm-hmm. and, yeah so that was fun yeah anyway. no it was great there was a lot of of scenes and things and um it's so funny like now that i'm here in dallas and it's like i have the opportunity to like try and sign with agents and stuff like this i'm like man i need to contact daniel and see if he has any of that old footage so i can put together a reel <laughs> i do have it all so Oh yeah, you definitely need a reel. Y'all get on that. So transitioning from all of that into your professional life now, tell us what's going on in the DFW area. Sure. So uh, I've been working professionally in the theater world here for three or four years now. Um, I've worked with a couple of different equity houses here. I got my start at Lyric Stage, uh, which at the time was, its bread and butter was producing um, classic musicals using full orchestras. I'm talking like 30-piece orchestras, original orchestrations. Um, Our conductor, Jay Diaz, uh, was out of, he's out of New York, and he would come in to, to do these shows, and it was amazing working with them and then um in uh 2017 i uh that was kind of like my big year i uh worked with um theater three doing a little night music and uh i i coulter's hit the wall um he's a big chicago playwright i worked with uh, water tower theater doing that um joni schultz who's a big chicago person um directed that here and then uh, first got my first big gig with Uptown Players, um, the largest LGBTQ uh, professional company in the nation. And they were doing the full Monty. Uh, and so I, I did that with them um, the fall that year. And uh, after that, I kind of got a little burnt out because I, I right before that, done... Um, a concert production of Titanic with Uptown and Turtle Creek Corral, the all men's chorus here in town. And then right before that, I had just done Peter and the Star Catcher uh, with a local community theater. And 
it was just, it was a lot. And I was like, you know what? I need to take a step back from acting and I want to try my hand at some other things. I want to go back to being a student. I want to take classes. I want to look at directing. Um, I was starting to kind of uh, dip my toe into the idea of intimacy direction um, as it was starting to come out. And so I uh, jumped into that. I took a directing class with Joni Schultz at Water Tower, and then I started taking uh, comedy classes with Stomping Ground Comedy. Uh, it's a new nonprofit comedy theater here in Dallas, just getting its start. And that turned into being my bread and butter uh, for the last two years, um, is working in the comedy worlds, doing sketch, improv, musical improv, and I just finished up my first stand-up class this spring. So nice. I'm just branching out everywhere. Stand-up is one of those things I really like the idea of, but it is the scariest <laughs> thing that I could possibly think to do. Outside exactly maybe Exactly like why I avoided it for so long. <laughs> I will tell you, I've done a lot of, I mean, I've been doing theater for decades. Uh, I mean, gosh, I got into it when I was seven years old. And I still improv specifically is my least honed skill is the thing that I am scared of the most. I don't even like to do karaoke. That's how bad it is. Like well, I need, I, I, I I need to be rehearsed. For different reasons entirely. But <laughs> but yeah, improv, same. Improv is, I, I'm way less scared of stand-up than I am of improv. What's funny, though, is that me and Jed, our early stuff was like 90% improv. Like our, yeah. early, our early video stuff that we used to do when we were like 17, 19, um, mm -hmm. I mean, so much of that, we would just like turn on the camera and we would do weird voices and just have conversations in these weird voices. And, um, and I feel like, I feel like my, um, that says something for our chemistry in particular, because I feel like I can improv with you and bounce off of you a lot easier than most anyone else that I've ever tried it with. And certainly not like up there by myself, but there is a certain trust level, though, that, that has to come along with improv, knowing yeah. that the other person that you're doing scene work with is going to have your back, Yeah. Um, especially if you're not, like, trained in it. I mean, you've got to have some, like you were saying, that comfort level with the people you're working with. Yeah, whenever yeah. I host movies at Alamo, uh, when I did back when movie theaters were a thing you could go to, um, it, sometimes I would host with other people, and you could definitely tell, like, me and John had really good chemistry. It was not hard for us to like banter and like play off each other. And then there were other people who were just like, we just, we do this differently. And it yeah. is like, you know, like I think individually we're both fine. We don't really work well together just because I'm throwing out jokes and you are not catching them and then they're doing stuff and it's just, it's just not working. So, um, so yeah, I think the chemistry is definitely important when it's that kind of thing. Yeah. How valuable are, so if an actor wants to get into learning more about improv, what is their, what is their best bet to do? What, what are the types of things they need to be doing? I mean, I'm obviously classes, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, you know, during my college years, I was involved with Alternative Fuels, which was the on-campus improv troupe at Tech uh, for many years. And the thing was, they, they did short-form improv, um, whereas with Stomping Ground, I, I do mostly long-form. And so for that, I, I think, first of all, you have what you need to do is identify what kind of improv are you interested in doing and, and you know, what's your purpose. Are you just wanting to 
learn a little improv to make you more confident as a performer. Um, we also have people at Stomping Ground who take the beginner improv classes just because they, they want help on their communication skills for their job. Or um, we also have like improv for anxiety classes. So people Ooh, who are looking yeah. for that Daniel just to I help them in their everyday life. That, uh, that yeah, sounds really have, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually have a, a licensed professional counselor on our staff who helped found the Improv for Life program. So it's all about how does improv help people in their everyday lives, whether they have anxiety, whether they have Alzheimer's or dementia, whether they're caregivers of those with Alzheimer's or dementia, whether they are on the autism spectrum. Um, there are so many different uh, ways that improv can help people in their everyday lives, but then there's also the performance aspect. And then within the performance aspect, you can go into musical improv, short form improv, long form improv. Uh, within long form, you've got narrative or you've just got uh, montages or other formats. So it, it's really looking at what do you want to do? What's your purpose for it? And then from there, finding the right classes, finding the right places to get training uh, to help you down that path. I have a question about long form improv. Um, do you have like a basic shell and then what's actually happening is improv? Or is it like full, you don't know what's going to happen at all improv? It totally depends on the format. Um, so it, in long form, like I mentioned, there's um, different narrative formats that you can do. So for example, I've done improvised Shakespeare before. And so we already know coming into this, great, here are the different archetypes. We're going to have the ingenue. We're going to have the hero. We're going to have the flawed ruler. There's going to be a ghost in that too. Like we know all of these beats that we have to hit, but we don't know exactly the, the storyline exactly that we're going to follow. We don't know the characters' names. We don't know all the details. We just sort of have an overall structure. Um, I've... We've also done shows like the improvised rom-com, the improvised Hallmark movie, those things, like I said, you know, they kind of have this idea of beats. Each scene that you're going to do is going to be about a specific, you know, so-and-so has to, character A has to meet character B, but that's about all the information you have. Um, so that's kind of the fun part is it gives you a little bit of structure but still leaves it completely open-ended for the context of everything that's yeah, going to be going on. Yeah, that sounds like how the cat was done. Like, we knew what was going to happen in the episode, but then how it happened was up mm -hmm. to us when we were doing it. So Yeah, mm. the cat is definitely a, a narrative-type improv. Um, but you can also still have um, montages, which are completely open-ended. Um, you could have a scene that is 20 seconds long, and then the next scene is five minutes, and they could be completely not related to each other in any way, shape, or form. It's literally just a montage of scenes that you do for 20 minutes. Um, so it, it kind of, that format that you're doing really tells you kind of what the structure is that you're going to be doing, whether it's completely open-ended or whether it has specific beats that you're trying to follow. And yeah, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, it, it, it you know what? It is definitely a skill set. I can I can tell you multiple times I have tried to start an improv group or I have tried to do some improv with some people. Um, Charlene actually knows one of those the one of those groups. Um, it's so it's it's people think that it's just easy to do and it's you know everyone can do it. It's just like that. But I do think that there's the people who do it well have thought about it there's training involved there's experience i'm not saying not anyone can do it anyone can just mm -hmm. i i feel that same way about drawing or painting or anything anybody can do anything some things just take a little bit more time and effort and money 
Um, but yeah, so I wish it, I wish I was better at it. I do. <laughs> it takes time. I know when I was first doing my training with stomping ground, um, you know, I had a lot of people being like, wow, you're an actor and you're so comfortable on stage. And you're like, you're already so good. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm getting up there and I'm good at playing a character, but I have no clue what's going on with my scene work, understanding truly the structure of a scene and how to, to play a great game. That's another word you'll hear a lot in improv, the game of the scene. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't there yet structurally. And so it took me, you know, almost the entire year long program uh, to be able to truly get comfortable and feel, start feeling confident in my scene work uh, as I went along. So how has the pandemic, I mean, I've noticed that there's been a lot of, oh, I watched Stomping Ground did a, a virtual um, program or event and they were doing songs, musical theater, um, and people were just commenting and, and giving off ideas mm-hmm. or whatever. And it was so brilliant because it was not only was the music there, but they could come off the cuff like that with their chorus and their, you know, bat- battling off of each other. It was so cool yeah. to watch. Yeah, so that was uh, our in-house music director, Josh Diamond. He used to work for uh, Second City Las Vegas, I think, doing a, a show there. He was their music director a while back. Um, and then Greg Mahalik. Uh, he's our lead musical improv instructor and created our curriculum. Uh, he studied musical improv at the Magnet in New York City. And then the other person that you saw was Lindsay Goldapp, the artistic director of Stomping Ground. She studied at Second City in Chicago, and she's one of the two co-founders of Stomping Ground. And um, those are actually my colleagues. I, I perform musical improv with them normally uh, at Stomping Ground. Um, and it's musical improv is truly magical. It's, it's one of my favorite, uh, improv things to do. And, um, once you kind of learn how it works, it just clicks and it's, it's the most amazing feeling. Um, we do an entire show called Broadway-ish where we take the song list of a real Broadway musical that the audience picks and we take those song titles and we shoehorn them into an entirely new musical that's completely different. Um, so we, uh, like, for example, um, you know, we, we did a Aladdin one time and there was a weird, her opening number was like, uh, it's like four names, like, uh, oh, it's like Omar Kazim something, something like it's just four names. And we just had to make up a whole opening number that was just about these four random names in the Aladdin (laughs) musical. And it's just, it's crazy. Uh, I was just so impressed at how the content that Stomping Ground was able to put out. So not only do you have your digital and virtual uh, basic productions that you're showing, the classes have moved on. So if, so now if I wanted to go take some improv from Stomping Ground in Dallas, Mm -hmm. I have that option. I can go in there and, and click and, there were so many that I was actually super interested in participating mm-hmm. in. I think I think that's pretty brilliant the way yeah. that you've been able to pivot the way you have. I uh, I served as the training center director from September through March, um, and as uh, shelter in place was going was happening here in Dallas, um, you know, I talked with the directors and I was like, we've got to get classes online. 
Um, and so we normally have seven week terms of in-person classes and we took them and, you know, I set up Zoom accounts, uh, you know, quickly tried to tell teachers this is how it works. Let's start having classes online. And we kind of had to had to figure out, you know, how do we take the, you know, improv classes that rely so heavily on that sort of person to person contact and, and figure out how do we do improv online? And um, there's there's different improv theater management and administration groups on Facebook. And it was really great seeing these improv educators from literally all across the world in these groups sharing ideas and talking about, you know, how, how do we perform and teach improv better online because we don't know how long it's going to have to be in this format. And so we figured out a lot of really amazing things about how we can successfully do improv via video, um, via sound, uh, and, you know, kind of work our way through this because obviously like our writing classes have done just fine being able to, to go to an online format, but it's those performance-based improv that was a little bit of a struggle at first trying to figure out, you know, how do you do scene work? How do you do group scenes? <laughs> I just feel like uh, it'd just be people talking over each other the whole time. Okay, you, no, I mean like us? Yeah, that. what are you talking about? Yeah. But, but I think because of this format, because it's harder to hear everyone, if everybody starts talking on here, people instinctively pull back more than if you were in person. And so I found that group scenes actually work way better online because people are inclined to to be a little more generous with pulling back and trying to listen to each other in this format and there's also neat things you can do with video like here on zoom you there's a setting that i use called hide non-video participants and so you can actually just tell people if you're not in the scene turn off your video and so then only the people who are acting will be up on the screen and if you want to like quote unquote enter a scene all you have to do is turn on your video and you pop up and now you've entered the scene. And nice. it, and so it's a really easy way to kind of navigate who's acting at, at the uh, at the time, who's off stage. Um, and then you can also, you know, have audience members watching in Zoom, just turn off their video. And that way you can still have laughter um, during performances and during So I'm scenes. curious if there's, if it's almost giving us new ground. So there's some basic improv games. We all know like the party, the dinner party or whatever, or, um, do we all know? <laughs> and the question is, do the listeners know? Does so, everyone know Zip Zap song? I mean, I know, I know, but maybe the you, listeners don't. Yeah, there yeah, there yeah, are some... <laughs> There are some base theater games that a, a multitude of us had learned from high school on that you do. Um, it, it's kind of, they're icebreaker games. Some of them are like, okay, if, if you've ever watched Whose Line Is It Anyway, they do it a lot. So you have a one person that's uh, the party host. And uh, three or four other people are taken out of the room and given specific characteristics or characters or something like that. And they come in one at a time, only acting out what they are without saying, and the party host has to guess what that is. So that's an example of a very basic right. improv game that a lot of us do. Um, but I wonder if the Zoom platform or the virtual, whether you're using Teams or whatever, if there's not ways to build new games on there. So what if, what if your host has picked a, everyone gets a different background or something like that or something's chosen for them i wonder if you'll see new 
improv or warm-up games specifically made for the online platform. I don't know. I think there's just some fun. Like how they uh, pass props uh, yeah. between cameras and maybe that's a new game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and we've we've had to do a lot of thinking about the the concept of you know, how do you, how do you take the in-person games and format them for being able to do them online? Because a lot of times basic, uh, warm-up games that you do are circle games. So, you know, everybody's standing in a circle and you go in order of the circle, but if you're not standing in person like that, how do you know the order you're supposed to go? Especially if everybody's videos on the screen are not in the same order. So easy thing we came up with, open up the chat bar, write the order in the side. Ta-da! And then everybody knows it. It's right there for you to be able to see. Um, if you're playing a game, uh, there's one game I love called Sound Ball, um, where you just take this imaginary ball and you throw it to another person and you make a sound and they make the sound when they catch it and then they throw it and make a new sound. Um, hmm. Normally, you make eye contact and that's how you know I'm throwing it to you. But again, we can't do that here. So instead, easy thing we've done just verbalize, say the person's name, and then make the sound and throw it to them on the camera. They catch it off the other camera, make the sound, and continue on. So there's little ways we've, we've found to be able to kind of get around um, the, the technology uh, limitations that we have versus, you know, the ease that we have with some of these games in person. But we've also, you know, kind of had to think about mapping games. So taking a game that we know and then um, how can we kind of adapt it? Like you were talking about, you know, using backgrounds and things like that. You know, we can change our names on here and rename ourselves to a different character name um, mm -hmm. and use, use the technology in that way. Um, you know, we can play with pulling things out of the frame, getting up close to the camera, uh, yeah. things like that. So it's kind of seeing, okay, how do you play with the technology rather than fighting against it? That, that's the heart of the whole debate right now, I feel mm -hmm. like, is, is getting people to understand working with the technology instead of being afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this is something um, places like Stomping Ground will continue to do? So when we're all able to meet back in some former capacity um, more than we are, I personally don't think it'll ever be just back to complete. I think there's going to be a new normal. I think people are going to be a little bit more aware. Uh, sanitation procedures and, and how we meet up in large groups is going to change. Do you think that this is the type of programming that will continue on even when you're able to meet in person? I think it's totally a possibility, um, but I also think that a lot of people are going to be craving in-person human community, uh, you know, human interaction. So I think there's definitely going to be, you know, in the first year or so, kind of a mix of people who are like, I want to meet in person. I want so bad to be with other people. And improv, you know, is is truly better when it's in person um, because there's so much that we teach about how, um, I'm going to back up and say, it, we teach a lot of times in improv, there's four ways to add information to a scene. You add it through your blocking, you add it through um, your emotional adjustments, you add it through your space work or object work. Sometimes people call that miming. And then um, the least important way that you add information is through your specific dialogue. 
So it, it's really hard when, you know, you've taken away a lot of your capacity for blocking. You've taken away a lot of your capacity for object work and physical interaction. And, you know, you're left with, you know, some emotional adjustment and specific dialogue, which again is what we teach is like one of the least important ways to add information. And so, um, you know, I think having that in person is going to be really big. Um, but it's really amazing the online classes, how we've been able to connect with people from different places. Um, I'm teaching improv for auditions right now, and I've got uh, two people in my class right now who are from California. Um, I'm taking a class right now with the Groundlings out in LA. And, you know, there's, there's people in, in my class who are from Alabama, Seattle, uh, me here in Texas. I think there was somebody from New York. I mean, it, it, so it's really amazing how people are getting to take classes from places they've always wanted to, but they haven't offered classes online before. So I'm hoping places will continue to, to offer some of their basic offerings online for people. I mean, Second City has always offered um, online stuff here and there, but like their offerings are so robust right now. Um, yeah. so I think it's going to be hard for places to, to completely stop offering them. But I do think the, the online offerings will kind of taper off because there'll be so many people wanting to kind of be able to, to explore the full breadth of performance in person. I think, I think it's nice that to me, the online and virtual teaching tools or the virtual um, productions have given way to addressing some of those needs of accessibility mm -hmm. um, that haven't, I didn't even, I didn't even think about those things. I didn't think about that my family members in the nursing home don't come and see little Jimmy on the stage. I don't think about that my friends in Idaho don't come down and be able to see, or I don't think about the, immunocompromised, not being able to, to I, you know, those just not, were not things that were on my radar. There's easy things like, not easy things. That's, that's a miss, misspoke, but you know, we, there are, you can add sign language interpretation to events. You can, um, have, we've had LCT is big on sensory friendly, uh, performances for its family and youth shows. There's things that we've been able to think about and add to make theater more accessible. But now I think that virtual and online stuff adds just another dimension and another aspect of that, that I would like to see continue without it being the base, without it being the only thing we can do. Yeah, I definitely think that um, accessibility is a big issue um, inclusion when it when it comes to all of this. Um, the other big inclusion and accessibility issue that we've kind of been touching on with our online classes right now is um, socioeconomic issues um, because stomping ground, you know, had to hit the ground fundraising as soon as everything happened. Um, we were really lucky that, you know, we've been able to, uh, you know, keep the doors open through that. And then through some payroll protection uh, that we were able to get, um, we've been able to make all of our online classes pay what you can. And there are so many people that have reached out to us saying, I'm so grateful that classes are pay what you can because I've always wanted to take a class, but I couldn't afford the $250. 
um, for a course. And so we've, we've from the very get-go, had a diversity and inclusion scholarship program. And, um, you know, almost everyone that has ever applied for it has been able to, to get one, a scholarship to get into classes for free, even if it wasn't the first term they applied. You know, we can usually get to people, um, you know, within a, a term or two and get them into classes if they needed that financial support. Um, but we haven't been able to, to really just broadly be inclusive and say, you know what, as many people that need to pay $1 to take this class can, as opposed to being like, uh, we can only give two scholarships for improv this term. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's been really cool um, seeing the, the diversity of students um, economically that are able to, to get into classes right now. And Thank you, I do COVID-19. Have to give, yeah, <laughs> but I do have to give credit. Um, the idea came from the Magnet uh, in, in New York. Um, they, they made their classes pay what you can, and we kind of took our uh, page out of their book doing that. It's kind of similar to how we run our YAG program. So our Youth Artists Guild, um, which they have, it's a fully student-led program, so they, they put on their productions from um, the only the only adult that they have on the production is the director. And then, of course, they can have mentors in an appropriate setting. Basically, these kids only pay uh, like $50, $50 a year, and that gets them being able to audition for any of the programs. We have monthly workshops. And then it's also a student-led board, so the, those kids vote on their president and their treasurer and their, secre- you know, their secretary and all that. And then they get to de- make the decisions on whether they want to, what shows they want to do in their season, what workshops they want to learn. We have community service programs. They get to pick that. Like they took, they took Valentine's cards to a senior citizen community center. So we want, I've always been of the idea of, I didn't want it to be a pay to play in our children's theater program. It was a, this is open to anybody who wants to audition, who wants to be a part, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of any program that can figure out how to sustain itself and still be accessible to all income levels, especially within children's theater. Mm-hmm. It's so important that we be able to make these programs fiscally accessible uh, to people. Um, because While still paying it, artists, because we all want, I yeah. mean, we want right. artists to be paid for their time and their effort. It, it's, it's such a balancing rope, especially for a nonprofit, to figure out how to get there. How mm-hmm. can you be sustainable? How can you pay your staff, pay your artists, pay your teachers, and still be accessible to everyone as much as possible? As a formerly and current poor person, I appreciate the uh, efforts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am a non. I'm a arts administrator. I I also identify. Right. Yeah. And I lost all of my work other than teaching at Snobbing Ground right now. So. Yeah. I, I feel that too. <laughs> yeah, I I don't feel like there's a lot of rich people in the uh, community theater. Uh, administration like it or or if you are it's from something else entirely and you happen to also come into community theater but <laughs> but yes yeah it's okay arts is for everyone yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. the whole idea I have a, 
I had a really great conversation uh, in my improv for auditions class uh, on Sunday. I had I had a student ask me about my opinion on doing unpaid work, and uh, it sparked a really great discussion. And the big the big piece that I tried to um, instill with the students was letting them know it totally depends on what your goals are as a performer. You know, if you are someone that just loves performing for the sake of performing, you need it in your life, it's good for your soul, and you don't care about getting paid, then great, go out there and perform and do things with your friends and do community theater and just own it, own your passion, get out there and do it. However, if you're someone that's like, I don't have the financial means to be able to take off work and do theater without getting paid, then great, only go for paid work. You know, it's, it's all about what your goals are as an artist and, and what you want to do. And we shouldn't be shaming people on either side of the table yes. for wanting paid work or not caring whether or not they're getting paid um, because it totally depends on what your goals are as an artist and why you're doing this. Yeah. And it's one and of the only problems. industries that really, that that has to be a, qu- a question that's answered yeah. is in the arts. Well, and, and you make a good point there too, that, that, um, it, it's about what your goals are, but also that like being able to not care about whether or not you get paid is absolutely a position of, of privilege. Mm-hmm. It's it, there, that it's because there's a, 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 we've had this discussion before too, about how like a lot of community theater work is volunteer work. And a lot of us are willing to do volunteer work because we believe in the theater. We believe in this and we just love it. And we want to give back to what has given so much to us but may also be in the financial situation where if money is an option, you can't afford to say, no, no, I, I don't need that. <laughs> it's like, it's, you, you might, you might have the heart and be willing to, to do it for free, but you might also at the same time, literally be unable <laughs> to do it for, and, and I like that you bring up that you can't shame on either side of that because there's also the other side where people want to say people who accept money are, don't care about the art and you're just a greedy capitalist and you don't, and it's like, that's also not true. That's yeah. I know people, I mean, that work, their jobs are in the evening and it's like, if you're community theater or even professional theater, you know, that rehearses in the evening, but that's when your job is. I mean, if you have to take off to go and rehearse or perform, you're losing out on money that you need for your everyday life. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we, we really have to take into consideration that some people just don't have the financial means to be able to do it for free, even though they want to. Yeah. Y'all, I'm having so much fun talking to you. No, no, this is, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Because like I said, improv is such a an area where, if, if, the, if there's an area of theater I'm going to pick that my performance skills are lacking or non-existent, improv is going to be it. So it's this is all super theater. fascinating. He's lying. What? Well, there's also musical theater, just because I don't, I don't do that because I am afraid of singing in front yeah, of people, I was, and I don't I think that I do it well. But so, if there was going to be a class that all of us could go and check out together to get over our fear of improv, what would you recommend out of your offerings, Miss J.C. Hood and Stomping Ground? Ooh, well, we are right in the middle of a term right now, but we're about to put up the next one. Um, there is usually a Zoom improv class, and it's a beginner improv class that you can do, like again, over that. Zoom. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah, it's, I, I would recommend that if you're wanting to get started. If you're unsure, if you're like, I don't even know if improv is for me. Okay, okay. Um, we have once a week, a drop in jams. So an improv jam, uh, traditionally is a, a night that you can go to a comedy theater and literally anyone can get up on stage and perform. And, uh, you know, you'll split into groups and you'll do some little scenes. Like I mentioned earlier, a montage set where it's just scenes one after another. They don't have to be connected in any way. Um, we've taken that kind of idea of jams and moved them online. So again, we're just doing improv online. Um, those jams are free or you can make a donation uh, to help pay for the, the person who's running it. Yeah. Um, and See, that's that kind sounds of just a as way scary. To it. It that sounds so as scary to me scary. as karaoke. Uh, uh, <laughs> to me, it's like the class would probably be. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But you... there's there are some people who just want to like go in and watch it first, and you're mm. totally welcome to come in and like just play yeah. some of the as long as it's games not like and then Fight just Club watch. Where you have to be involved the first time because no. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there would definitely be it. gentle encouragement. <laughs> gentle encouragement to join but no pressure because <laughs> yeah, when you started talking i was like nope no that is that sounds that's a i went to a drum circle once and that was scary enough and so no i'm not doing yeah. that um i'm also teaching improv for auditions so it's a, a class where we're talking about um you know if you're somebody who you know, gets nerves at auditions or you're kind of, you know, going to auditions, but you're not really booking and you're not really confident about like if what you're doing is right or not. Um, I'm, I'm teaching this class where we're using improv as a tool to talk about how does it benefit you as a theater artist or as a film artist, you know, um, how does improv help you specifically in the audition space, be more confident, be more comfortable with yourself, make big choices. Um, take up space uh, and just feel feel better um, playing in that process. Whenever I walk away from an audition that was particularly <laughs> challenging, I was like, yep, and choices were made. Mm. Choices <laughs> were made. <laughs> there, there is a theater in, in Fort Worth um, where uh, I had a friend or two that were administrators there and they told me that my nickname was strong but wrong <laughs> um because i was i was known there for my auditions coming in and like making strong choices they weren't always right for the show but they remembered me and they kept calling me back asking me like hey will you come back and audition for this other show because they knew like Hey, she's gonna make choices, and eventually she's gonna be right for something. something. We There's a work place with her. for her. Just... Yeah, um, and that—that I think that tends to be my legacy at a lot of places. Um, when I first auditioned uh, at LCT, my first audition uh, for, and then there were none. Um, I asked Kevin Tenike, uh, who used to perform, and he—he he ended up being in the show with me. I—I I really respected him, and I asked him. I was like, Kevin, if you have one piece of advice for me about auditioning. What, what's the one thing you would tell me? And his, his advice was make bold choices. And that is the audition advice I have lived by my entire career now is just make bold choices. Um, they, you know, it's done so much for me, building my confidence, making me, me you know, not judge my choices and just be like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be bold 
And if I'm right, I'm right. And if I'm not right for this production, it doesn't mean I'm bad. It means I'm just not right for this production. I guarantee you as a director, what I am looking for are bold choices. I It's so much easier to rein someone back in and mold mm-hmm. them into what you want them to be than having to pull out uh, from someone who is timid or not confident. Um, you will stand out if you make those bold choices, if you take risks. Um, yeah, even if you're not right for that particular thing, you will be remembered. That's always my advice as well is make those bold choices. That's good advice. I was also fascinated by the concept of something you touched on uh, much earlier in the conversation where you talked about people taking improv classes, uh, for not necessarily even a theatrical purpose where they talked about it just to improve general communication skills. And you touched mm-hmm. on like, uh, an example you gave was taking those communication skills onto things like job interviews that... Mm-hmm are kind of improv situations. Because mm-hmm. I've, yeah. I've, I've found that interviews do kind of actually make me nervous in the same way that improv does, because this is the point where they're going to throw all these questions at me that I'm not prepared for, and I have no idea what kind of answer to give for this asinine yeah, question you're asking me. They are me. literally judging you the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> now see, I am good at that. I feel like I'm a pretty good bullshitter, and that's probably, like, <laughs> I can sell myself or sell, like, sell something with the best of them. Like, I think that comes from my marketing skills. And I've, I've always been a really strong interviewer for some reason. Now, once I'm past that, who knows whether people are glad that they hired me. But I can definitely work an interview. So, you know, so my, maybe imp- I would be better at improv than I think. My marketing <laughs> skills are all like designing campaigns from behind and doing design work and uh, things like that. I am not a salesperson. <laughs> so that's like... And that's also what a job interview is, is your, and, and like, so that really made me perk up. I was like, there's a, and, and I'm interested in taking courses and, but just the idea that there are courses, that there are, that it's not, there's more to improv than just get up on a stage and say the first thing that comes into your mind. Like there are skill sets to learn that make you better at this. Improv for the real world. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, um, when we're, when we're teaching, um, uh, I'm trying to think when we're doing like our, our level one improv, um, you know, we're not just teaching like be funny, Right. Each week has a specific goal. Um, and so like in week one, you know, we're teaching people like, hey, you know, get to know each other and support each other when you make choices, you know, be comfortable just playing and telling stories. But then, you know, we get into week two and then we're like, oh, now we're going to work on spontaneity. We're going to work on not judging yourself. We're going to work on being truthful in your comedy. And so it's like as we start building on these kind of skills, you start realizing, oh, these things really help me in my everyday life. I'm not judging the choices that I'm making or the words that I'm saying as much. I'm feeling comfortable and more confident sharing my ideas with other people because in this environment, everybody supports me and goes along with what I have to say. And so it's, you know, it's a little intoxicating being that supported by everyone. Yeah. I'm going to say, I think I judge every single sentence that comes out of my mouth. I was going to say, if not (laughs) judging yourself is a part of this, I am not, uh, I think I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but but that's all the reason for you to be in because that's a skill that, 
And oh my gosh, if you're just telling someone be funny, oh, the amount of pressure, those yeah. two words. Would be, I, that that's would... why I stayed away from this for so long because I, I realized. I'm just kidding. I'm not, <laughs> no, I tell that to people all the time. I'm not funny. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, last, was it last year? Uh, early last year, I started writing a, a one woman uh, show, and it's, uh, it's called Life is Funny, but I'm not. Uh, and good title. Good title. <laughs> um, and yeah. it's all comedy songs too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also so, a good title for your memoirs. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what it is. Is mm. is like a fake memoir of of my life and comedy. Um, and so <laughs> I I've always you know said to people like oh I'm not that funny like you know if I am funny on stage it's because of the writing it's because I'm playing you know a dumb character and you know through. Uh, writing a lot for sketch comedy and uh, doing improv, I've realized like it, it's like you know uh, the the comedy the comedy bible truth and comedy you know Charna Halpern and and Del Close and all them uh, you know it says like truth and comedy like that's what makes things funny when it's relatable to the audience and you connect with it in a way like that's when you're truly going to have success is playing with real characters in absurd situations um, and you know having a groundedness to the comedy that you're doing and so I've I've been very lucky with with my training with stomping ground to to truly dig into that kind of comedy um, that can carry with me throughout my entire career and throughout different fields because that that concept of comedy really just carries through everywhere do you ever do improv? that's not comedy based do you ever do like dramatic scenes yeah yeah um uh i <laughs> i did a dramatic scene once out of spite um <laughs> sounds kind of funny to say uh we used to have a show called swipe right where um we'd uh come out as six different characters the audience would give us occupations we'd basically make a dating profile and then the audience would pair us up and you'd see three oh scenes where we time jump from our first date to somewhere like a milestone in the middle of our life together and then uh you know some sort of end of life uh milestone sort of thing and um there were some drunk like frat daddies in the audience and um you know we asked for like what's a middle of the life milestone like you know getting married or having a baby and they yelled abortion ah. and <laughs> my scene partner was like we're gonna do it and we're gonna do a dramatic scene and we're it's gonna be real let's go and so we did this whole really dramatic scene um about a couple fighting about uh an abortion and the audience was just like <gasps> like you could hear just all the air suck out of the room and at the end of the scene like there was just like all this applause and then the next scene came out and it was really dumb and hilarious and absurd and that scene after us got the biggest laugh of the night because our scene built up all of this dramatic tension and yeah, they were yeah. able to release that tension in the next scene. Yep. And so it ended up working really great. Um, and then I, there's also a narrative show we do in the fall called my effed up Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, and uh, we play different archetypes of people that might be in your family, like the nurturer and the black sheep 
um, The Dumpster Fire. I think I'm all three of those, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there have been times in that show because uh, the first scene is uh, like a mono scene of everybody coming into the house where Thanksgiving's being celebrated. And then there's like breakout scenes throughout the whole theater. We set up different rooms around the theater. So it happens kind of in the round or in a thrust-like shape. And then right in the middle of the room is a dining table where we have a real dinner. We do a potluck. All the actors bring food. And we actually eat real food in the show. Um, And there have been times where like there have been scenes that got dramatic. Um, in that show and um, it's so interesting because it's this beautiful blend it's it's truth and comedy of just like real absurd characters just having this real Thanksgiving family get together and you know that sort of balance of having drama with the comedy and the absurdity makes for an amazing show our first year you know we didn't have a ton of people come just little spatterings here and there and then this last year our second year doing it we had uh like two or three shows that were sold out um we ended up having to like put in extra chairs and stuff because it got so popular uh so i'm (laughs) i wish it could come back this year but i don't know if we'll be able to this is going back this is going back to conversation but does anybody else really want to just do some spike theater yeah, actually, now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds I love like the idea so much fun. Of, of those guys trying to like, oh, we're we're gonna be so edgy and cool, and we're gonna say something messed yeah. up, and and they're like, no, we're gonna turn this into art. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. Like, we always joke about, um, you know, pardon the content here, but it's like you get up on stage and you ask, oh, can I get a one word suggestion? And it's like you're either gonna hear pickled pineapple or dildo. Yeah, yeah. And because it's just like, first of all, P is a hilarious letter, um, and people think about food a lot. So you're going to get that. But then you also get, you know, the people that say, you know, dildo and butt sex. And <laughs> because um, they, th- yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they're like, <laughs> I'm funny. I'm going to say things that are taboo or risque. And, My sense of humor never developed past the age of 13. Yeah. And so then, you know, as the performer and improvisers it's our job to use a to c thinking and say okay well uh dildo rhymes with bilbo which makes me think of hobbits so i'm going to do a scene about hobbits um and I'm, you know I'm kind of work around what pretty they sure say. there was a lord of the Rings spoof from national lampoon or something where they did change his name to dildo baggins or something yeah. like that but it was <laughs> we're earning that uh, explicit tag this time yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. We're going hard. You, you started it, Heather. Well, no, but I mean, th- this th- this is also not just like I'm just messing with swearing you. a lot for I no reason. This is, this is a part of the conversation. It's a yeah. I am, I'm so. doing this for art, Daniel. Yeah. I'm, I'm just well, kidding. no, I mean, and, and that that's but an important. Sex import- and dildos has its place in art. Well, I mean, one, yes, but two, that is a part an important part of the conversation with improv because it's mm-hmm. it's an absolute fact that. If you get a group of people in the room and, and in an improvisation a situation where you start asking them for suggestions for anything, there are going to be the six guys up here who are going to think of the most vile sexual things to say because they think that it's going to be funny. They're going to take the attention I mean, off of the stage and onto them. And so... That percentage rate grows with every alcoholic drink they've had right. and how and, many and of their buddies are with the them. The closer you yeah. are to and, Texas Tech... 
Yeah. And so, <laughs> but, but that's part of the skill set. Like the, the stories of, of how that was, or like you were talking about with the ADC thinking and implying that that's an important part. That's an improv skill set. Like you're going to have to deal with this at some point or probably every time you're performing really. <laughs> so what do you do with that? And it's mm -hmm. like, turning the abortion section into a suggestion into a stirring piece of art or doing, you know, what, I mean, the, the examples you've given, that's, that's, it's like learning that's to deal worth with a, talking about. Like learning to deal with a heckler in a way. That, yeah. I mean, it really is like it makes the situation actually work and not just uh, ruin the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I, for one, am incredibly um, proud and excited to see all the amazing projects and programs and just things that you're doing jc um i was sad to see you go when you when you left but i knew it was time for you to move on to do uh bigger things and I'm just I'm just excited to see i'm glad that i'm glad that social media and the internet and all of that is uh, keeps people being able to i mean i basically know what's going on in your life just because of facebook so I get to see these projects and I, you know, again, just, just proud. And thank you so much for coming and talking with all of us today. Yeah. yeah. And thank yeah. you for inviting me. And, and on the reverse side of things, you know, I love following everything that y'all are doing. I mean, you specifically, cause I love you. Um, but also like keeping up with LCT, you know, I, I try and make it a point every year or two that I've been gone to, to come back and I've, I've been able to, you know, stop by the theater and see how it's grown, uh, see different shows, um, at times. And so, you know, I, I, as I've had money, I've been able to try and donate, um, you know, if you have money, donate to Lubbock Community Theater. They're a 501c3 nonprofit theater. All donations are tax deductible. Things. Um, stomping also, grounds. Stomping Ground Comedy is a 501c3 <laughs> theater. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, in the reverse side of things, like I've really enjoyed seeing how LCT has grown, um, how the different prog programs have changed. And I hope that as it's safe for us to connect in person again, that I'm able to come back and, you know, share this knowledge in classes or intensives or be able to bring some of our groups out like Broadway-ish uh, and come in, yeah, be to able to that. perform, uh, you know, hey, we'll do an hour-long fully improvised musical for you. We might have been talking be about those things before yeah. COVID-19. I, re I remember that uh, conversation in the lobby. Mm -hmm. yeah. sad. We'll get to, We'll get back to some sort of something like that again. Yeah, it'll happen whatever. it'll happen yeah well and i've got to say i've been excited by this whole conversation too because it helped me break down improv into a set of skills that i can actually learn which makes me feel like maybe could do this, it. yeah this maybe this is something i could do at some point it makes me excited to take classes and, and yeah we we have a lot of students in our program specifically that have gone through our improv for anxiety class first and then jumped into the regular improv program. And yeah, so when yeah. we meet in person, that's a really valuable tool that we have for a lot of people to be able to do that first. Um, but also I'll say, I mean, I've taught the, the two beginner level, levels one and two improv classes. And um, it's really amazing to me to see the people who come in on day one who are like, 
I don't even want to say my name in front of other people. And by the end of the term, you know, they're doing full scenes and games on stage for an audience. It's, it's truly amazing to see what being in a supportive and encouraging environment can do to change your confidence, to allow it to be able to grow as you learn all of these new skills. And hearing the various ways that you've adjusted to our current situation uh, yeah, is that, also super yeah, exciting. When that next that round opens up, uh, you should let us know. Cause... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jump on it. The, the new classes should be coming out um, like in the next week. I know uh, I just got my next set of uh, official instructor offer letters <laughs> mm. this week. Um, and I know we started announcing what some of the new classes are. Um, so... Yeah, jump on that. And if and if you're unsure that you want to, you know, perform improv right away, we also have intro to comedy writing that I'm one of the teachers for. So you can start out with a writing class um, and see how you feel in that and then, you know, try jumping into performing. We also have a guest instructor uh, for this next term who's from uh, UCB LA, the Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's going to be teaching, I think, an intro to clowning and physical comedy or physical humor, something like that. Um, so there are some really neat classes uh, coming up in this next online term. And then where do people find Stomping Grounds online? Yeah, you can find us on Facebook. Um, there's, you know, daily posts and updates on there. But then also you can go to stompinggroundcomedy.org. Stompinggroundcomedy.org. We'll Look it up. include those links oh, absolutely. Uh, in our post as well um, yeah. uh, for donations and for classes. I, I was really sad that I, I, was, I was thinking about signing up for this particular session. But at that time, I had so many. We were trying to figure out how to do at-home schooling. I was trying to figure out how LCT was going to go move on to online. So I think it was just too much for me at that point to commit. But I'm definitely, I, I feel the FOMO. I am ready to join in this next coming session. So Yeah, for sure. Take a look. Take a look. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for being with us. This was a fascinating conversation. I was intrigued the whole time. and I was intrigued uh, most of the time. I was, I was intrigued 30% of the time. I was intrigued more than both of you combined. So <laughs> I was super intrigued, which means I was a better listener and a better student. So That's probably true. <laughs> better student. Some of my grades over my school career may uh, argue with that premise. But nonetheless, we were so glad to have you. Anytime you want to come back and talk about more stuff, we would be uh, willing to have you again because this was a fascinating conversation. Great. Next time we're going to talk about writing and, and writing and comedy. Absolutely. Ooh, I also wanna, Let's do. I also want to bring you back on to talk about intimacy directing yes. and intimacy scenes. I'm really I interested that in that means, as a topic so yeah. as well. Ooh. Oh, yeah. No, I... W yeah, that... that there's a whole conversation to be had around that. That's... Yeah, that's... I'd love to talk about that too. Fascinating and a long-needed branch of, of theater, in the theater world. Yes. So, but for now, we'll sign off. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, listeners, for being with us. And on behalf of my co-hosts, our guests, and Lubbock Community Theater, this has been Five Till Places. Thank, Thank you, Five. five.
Five Still Places is a production of Lubbock Community Theater. Special thanks to our guest this week, J.C. Hood of Stomping Grounds Comedy. Check out their work and take some online classes at stompinggroundcomedy.org. Our theme music is Pizza and Video Games by Bonus Points. The link to them and their work is in the show notes. Check them out and show them some support. Thanks for being with us again this week. And as always, thank you for supporting theater in the Lubbock, Texas area and beyond. (music)